This show is part of the Electric Agora network of podcasts. Crispin Sartwell, good to see you. Good to see you, Dan. How you doing? Well, it's not a secret that I'm not doing great because I wrote an essay saying, please uh, have patience with me, where I said to people, there may be some uh, spottiness and delays in both writing and moderating because my father had another one of his annual hospitalizations and um, I had to rush home and each time we go around this, he comes out, he's a little worse off for it. Well, you know, I mean, how, how much can a 93 year old body take? Right. I mean, so, um, so I'm doing, I'm doing okay, but it's the times now are fraught. Let's just put it that way. You've got a lot on the table. Um, What's going on with you? You doing all right? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually enjoying the summer uh some health issues have kind of resolved i'm working on a book about beauty ah and that makes me a little happier actually that sounds good even though i'm uh yeah even though i'm i'm working on the political objections to beauty too. yeah you I, I was gonna say you're writing about beauty and you're against it um no no, no. i i love beauty <laughs> I, I i live for beauty yeah Especially, uh, but, especially the female kind, right? The, the, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm going to say I have a certain appreciation there. You know, <laughs> we can have this some atavistic retro conversation right now, but I, 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 I will, I will refrain. I will. Uh, um, um, everybody, Beauty okay? Help. I'm sorry. Originate in the erotic, I think. You think you think it comes out original. You think the erotic is prior to the beautiful. Um, I think that yes. I think Even that, as applied, beautiful as applied not to people like beautiful trees, beautiful lake, beautiful. You think it, the origins are in eros? I feel that yes. That sounds a little like Plato, no? Oh, completely yes. Yeah, yeah, that uh, sounds great. Both. Do you already have a you have a publisher or, or is this for SUNY? Um, it's, it's, it's for, it's for a publisher in Spain called Tibidabo. It's supposed to be published simultaneously in Spanish and English. It, you know, they have a competitor to the, uh, short introduction series. Is that, is that? Ah, I know that series. Yeah. So Scruton has a short introduction to beauty, but they're, they're doing, they, they call them quick immersions. So they're, they're, they're basically the same thing. Uh, yeah. So I yeah. guess I'm setting up in competition with scrutiny so i um that's great that, that that sounds really interesting um um i've just been invited to contribute to a book that's supposed to come out next year um so the uh, the guy who runs 3 a.m magazine richard marshall or at least it used to be 3 a.m now it's 3 16 a.m because he had some split with 3 a.m because they got super woke and they got angry at him for interviewing holly lawford smith who's a gender critical. Yeah. he got, So, th- so they basically tossed him. So he started his own three, he called it three sixteen, And of course everybody was reading 3am because of him. And so, you know, he just basically took his ship and left and the, you know, let, let the people staying there stay. But anyway, he had a, he had a guy edit a symposium on meaning in life and, um, um, and philosophy. And, um, I was invited to contribute to that. 
And it was popular enough that he got a book deal on the basis of it and now has invited all of us to sort of contribute more yeah. substantial. Um, so that's what I'm going to be doing other than my normal things. Um, Is this a good time for you to reflect on the meaning of life? Actually, it's very good. You know, I, 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 I you, actually, this was a topic I really had no interest in whatsoever until <laughs> I began going through life's trials, right? I mean, you know, hey, I'm... Hey. Unlike you, I never, ever faced any serious either hardship, personal hardship, suffering or um, sort of sense of overwhelming responsibility until this. I mean, I've been very lucky. Yeah. Um, so this has been the first time that I've really been pushed to the limit. It will of, shake you. It'll, huh? make, it'll make you start grasping for something. It's completely know? transforming. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I've not I've not had this big a change of my views since I got married and had a child. Uh, it really yeah. does. Well, my this, go ahead. Been, no, go ahead. It's been a personal as opposed to intellectual crisis or they go together in for me. You know, I can't separate them because I start thinking when I start feeling <laughs> you know, or. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so. Right, like why I'm not an atheist anymore, which I couldn't imagine. Right. Facing situations that I couldn't grasp, handle, that I felt overwhelmed, you know. Yeah. Bereft, abandoned, or whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, it hasn't led me in that direction, but what I can say is that um, these kinds of life changes have been far more efficacious in transforming my views than anything I've ever read in philosophy or any argument anybody has ever presented. And, you know, it just completely, it's like a category change. Like, I mean, it's just like everything, <laughs> Yeah. you know, and, and one of the things also is that confronting these things, life, death, you know, responsibility, the most impossibly conflicted emotions, some of which I think I said mentioned to you last time, you know, such an overwhelming sense of duty and responsibility. I must go, I must go, I must help. Combined with, I don't want to go anywhere near that place. Yeah. I'm, t you know, all those things together have been so profoundly affecting. Um, and um, one of the things it's done is it's really, you know, I already was kind of getting a little dubious about philosophy earlier, but this has made so much philosophy to me just seem platitudinous and hopelessly, wildly oversimplified and um, naive. Um, yeah. And um, not even its rationalism, maybe. And it's rationalism and in its optimism. I, I mean, I mean. Yeah especially moral philosophy, um, I find completely useless in navigating any of these sort of pro these, these scenarios, right? I mean, I don't understand why people think they get such bolstering from moral philosophy. I've gotten none, <laughs> zero <laughs> um, throughout all of this. I mean, Indeed, moral philosophy has made it harder for me because <laughs> I keep thinking about things that are irrelevant, like justice. It's irrelevant. <laughs> right yeah right the situation i'm in is impossible the people i'm charged to care with are impossible and 
the idea and and I'm being I'm being wronged and taken advantage of in a hundred different ways. My goodwill is constantly being abused. Um, it doesn't doesn't matter, man. And spending a lot of time and energy thinking about and getting worked about how how I'm being wronged makes it harder for me to cope with the situation. Not bad, not easier. Very, very true. Yeah. So now, I just yeah. Go I ahead. Wonder, I I always wonder too, like to what extent experiences like you're having i've had uh can be brought back to moral philosophy say like the that that insight that you just said like you know that 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 is maybe the start of a critique of some moral philosophy or at least like an, a notion of what else we might be we might want to do need to do yeah um yeah yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, what it's fine. What it does, what it's done, also is I re, I'm sort of realizing more and more how much wisdom there is in other forms. And so, you know, one of the I think I must have quoted this line now in, in four different essays where I've tried to struggle with these issues. This line from Philip K. Dick's novel, um, "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" One of the things in the novel that never makes it into the Blade Runner movie is this whole thing about this religion called Mercerism, right? Which is an empathic religion. And it's it's all complicated at the end. It turns out that the Mercer guy is actually a fake. He's an actor who's, you know, whatever. But one of the things he says to the main character is he says, you will always be required to do wrong no matter what you do, right? This is the fundamental curse of creation is what he says. It's so true. Crispin, I cannot tell you how many times I've been in this position now where every single choice I have is bad. There are no up. good ones. It's kind of hurting someone. Like, you, are, you are gonna hurt somebody. You're gonna hurt somebody. You're gonna neglect somebody, right? You're gonna, or you're gonna hurt yourself, right? Yeah. Now this to me makes a nonsense of like ninety percent of what I read in standard applied ethics and moral philosophy. I well, can't even stomach reading some of it now after these experiences. You know it, what I mean? It's hard to apply the categorical imperative, just, you know, <laughs> and at, in any given situation, like what maxim <laughs> or the utilitarian calculus, I'm uh, supposed to feel uh, better because I maximized utility. Right. Right. I mean, come on. It's just, it's, it's juvenile almost. Right. I mean, it's just like, it's almost like kids writing about morality. Right. It, it has that adolescent simplicity to it. Right. <laughs> I guess I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's how. Anyway. Yeah. This is not what we're here to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but since um, we don't live near each other and I can't just hang out with you and talk about these things, I stick it at the beginning. We're here to talk about mandatory edu uh, education. And I, I was th thinking we're talking K through 12. Right. Yeah, okay. Standard school, elementary, junior high or middle school and high school. That's what we're talking about. Mandatory schooling and public schooling. Um and yeah. now, Crispin's against Crispin's against it. That's true. Now there, there has been a suggestion recently from Biden and and his people more and more serious that well, let's go preschool through associate's degree. So mandatory from not from five to 18, but now from three to like 21, you're saying? I, I think they're kind of playing with that, uh, or three to 19, three to 20. Now, how, 
how would they be able to make the the higher end compulsory given that the legal age of adulthood is 18 they'd have to change the legal age right i don't i don't because you couldn't compel a 20 year old to go to school right uh (laughs) you couldn't arrest him for truancy like you can a 14 year old right well that that's probably true like it, it cuts off right now at 16 or something like that right like as a legal matter Right, you can drop out at 16. At least that's what it used to be. I don't know if that's still the yeah, case. I probably should recheck that. But there, there's a, there is an expansionist frame, I think, for you know public education and maybe in the background like a compulsory, at least preschool. I think people are experimenting with that idea. But let me ask you, is this, the preschool part I don't know about, but the, 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 the late end part, is this part of this larger effort to sort of, redefine the age of adulthood to make it later so, and, and to allow kids, to, p- young people to stay on their parents' insurance longer to sort of do it. Because I've been hearing a lot of talk that's trying to justify that kind of expansion. And I'm hearing a lot of half-baked talk about, you know, your brain's not fully developed until you're 26 and all this sort of stuff. God knows how my 15-year-old father managed to figure out how to fight against the British uh, in Palestine uh, uh, in, in, in 1940 or whenever the hell it was. Um, uh, he must have had an extraordinary brain. Um, <laughs> I just find this talk so absurd. I can't even believe it. I, I agree. Yeah. But the, is this the, part of this larger effort to just sort of extend uh, the age of immaturity or is this a specifically separate schooling thing, do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I should have rechecked all this, but I think it, it, in terms, one thing it, it entails is probably free maybe free two years of college uh something like that it's, it's maybe coming from the sanders wing but biden seems sympathetic uh yeah. you know so i mean that's that's a far cry from compulsory college right yeah. like uh, free college that yeah. sounds a lot better yeah uh, i think that's how it's going to start with the preschooling too like offering requiring s- schools to offer free preschool yeah yeah. but not requiring students to attend at least not at at first or whatever i don't know but anyway maybe we're not we're we're here to discuss like sort of more philosophical issues rather than you know policy as it stands right now well that is going to be something though that i am going to raise because you know i'm happy to have a sort of an abstract conversation about what you'd rather right um but i'm also kind of interested in okay well what about what, 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 what should we do next week? Right. I mean, um, um, given what there actually is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I might, you know, pull you back to more prudential considerations um, uh, yes. here and there, but why don't you, first of all, make your case, sort of lay out your general point um, and maybe speak to both the mandatory and the public dimension of it. Cause you said you have issues with both aspects. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose they can't, could be separated to some extent. Um, I, I, I guess like I'm, I'm still working on my experience of being required to be in this building all day when I was a kid. Um, and I was actually just talking to some other kids who went to the same junior high schools I did and stuff in elementary school. Um, and, you know, we had very bad experiences in, in this urban school or whatever in DC. Um, but we were trapped. 
I mean, trapped to the tune of them chaining the doors shut. So what, people, when what, can you tell me the years? So what are we talking yeah. about? What years were you in elementary school? What years were you in junior high? And then what years were you in high school? I'm really talking about my junior high school experience, which would have been 70 when I was 12 uh, to 74, I think, uh, like seventh through ninth grade. The reason I'm asking is, were you affected at all by the school busing? Yes. Uh, I was in the first year of school busing in D.C. public schools. So is part of the reason uh, it was miserable is because you were bussed into a basically a, a, a broken school? Uh, part of the reason it was miserable is because there was a race war going on. Black students were bussed into our neighborhood, I guess you'd say, uh, which was a lily white segregated. So you weren't area. bussed into the inner city. The inner city no. was bussed into your suburban neighborhood school yeah okay go and on it was, it was really a disastrous experience that was only one aspect of the problems okay D, i mean dc public schools was an incredibly dysfunctional system for decades uh in multiple dimensions and they didn't manage that very well this busing situation uh and it basically it, it was basically a security situation <laughs> you know i would say like they had bouncers prowling the halls and stuff yeah. um all right, now, but that's a peculiar experience. But I, I, my feeling was that I was being, you know, directly oppressed, you know, like interned. Uh, I felt, I also felt like I could actually, I mean, I, part of this was delusory, but I also felt like I could educate myself better than these people could actually educate me. Like I, I, I you know, uh, actually, I had some good teachers, though. So let me let me say that uh, in this school and you know before that as well. Was was high school in D.C. also? Uh, yeah, I I got kicked out of um, D.C. public school, D, D, the D.C. public school system soon after getting to high school. And you mentioned that in a previous. And then where where did you go after that? Uh, a hippie free school uh, called Bonzo Ragamuffin Prep with no no attendance requirements and and no really no classes and stuff like this and how was that it was not very educational but it was liberating like i i don't think that i probably would have ever gone to college if i had continued if i had continued to experience education as as oppressive as I did in the DC public school system. So it's, I, it succeeded in, in undemonizing education in your mind. So that yes. it, in other words, it gave you a more favorable impression yes. of school. Even if you don't think you learned very much of it, you stopped hating school. Yes. So that then, then I, you could go to school later. Yeah. In a more voluntary framework. Right. I mean, that's sort yes. of, yeah. Yeah. What about right. elementary? So, what about elementary? What about when you were a child? Um, well, I went to basically, uh, yeah, all white school in my basically all white neighborhood. Uh, you know, a, a much more like sort of, um, well, it didn't have the same kind of problems that my junior high school had. Uh, did you also feel imprisoned though, or? or, or... I would, by the end I did. Um, yeah, I had, I really learned a lot there, but like my sixth grade teacher was quite a disciplinarian and I guess I started adolescing right then uh, yeah. in sixth grade, perhaps. Yeah. And I spent the whole year just fighting, you know, just 
doing nothing but rebelling in every possible dimension. You know what I mean? Like sort of secretly still maybe. But by the time I was in junior high school, I was in full revolutionary uh, <laughs> garb. Like, let me see if I can fuck this place up in various ways. Now, again, this is a peculiar experience and it's also peculiar to my personality, which is like bristles at any imposition of authority. I'm a little better than I was, once was this way. But my general objection, I guess the way I used to think of it is compulsory education is a, you know, what, what you know, a philosopher might call a contradictio in adjecto. Adjectivo? Uh, that is that like you can't compel it, education, right? If I'm forcing you, you're not actually learning. You're be maybe being conditioned to present certain responses or something like this. Like, um, all, right, all right, that's that. All right, so now, okay, let, let's let's talk about let examine that for a minute. Um, so now I'm going to ask you to be specific. All right, so all right, let's let me just take an example. All right, so um, trying to think of something I remember quite clearly. Right, so I remember quite clearly. Um, in um, I want to say it was high school learning about um about what about watergate uh-huh in a uh american history class yeah i think we had two two and the, one went up to a certain point and then the other one went up to the present right yeah yeah so i learned about watergate so prior to that I, I vaguely knew about watergate i actually remember as a kid seeing nixon on television saying i'm not a crook okay. that's my first political memory and i remember finding it very odd um right. well i was in, i was in junior high school then uh, um, so I, so, so, but I, you know, if you'd asked me five to say five things about Watergate, I couldn't have. Right. Then I took an American history class. I learned a whole bunch of stuff about Watergate. And to this day, I can tell you all this stuff about Watergate and I haven't studied Watergate further. I mean, now yeah. tell me, what is it about the fact that my education was compulsory? That means that I didn't actually learn about Watergate. Right. Or are you saying something else? <laughs> um, well, okay. So I, I was going to add that, you know, I came to believe that that was kind of simplistic, you know, okay. like, like okay. The, 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 you know, but I do think there's a tension there. Okay. So like, explain that. Like, like forcing people to learn has a certain kind of limitation to it. Forcing people to learn is a matter of degree too. I don't know, like moment by moment, how forced you felt right then. Uh, okay, so learning goes on in the schools. I, I admit that, all right? So uh, in the context of compulsory education, but I do think there's a, a basic tension, like, like maybe the, the more, more profound sorts of learning require the agency of the learner. And to some extent that is compromised in a compulsory, in the, the compulsory frame. Now, now in a in a particular class, you know, it could be a it could be a fairly communal experience. It could be fairly experienced as quite voluntary, basically. Um, but the compulsory framework around, I think, compromises the the autonomy of the learners and hence their learning. And it also ma makes them subject to 
whatever vision of education in terms of content or in terms of uh, technique for education that the authorities want to impose. Uh, no, but, but, but I guess what I'm asking is, um, is it the formal compulsory dimension of education for minors that is in tension with learning or is it the um, oppressive atmosphere that exists in a lot of schools? In other words, because I might agree that the second is antithetical to learning, but I'm not really grasping why the former, why I should think the former is. But if you're not saying that, then I'm happy to, to drop it, right? I mean, because I would agree with you that if you create an oppressive environment in class, learning is going to suffer. What I don't understand is why, the, because you asked me how I felt. I didn't feel oppressed in my classes, despite the fact that I knew I was required to be in school, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to understand whether it is the formally compuls compulsory nature of it or whether it's the kind of atmosphere that's created within that compulsory framework. Well, I feel like, you know, you're, you're unlikely to have kind of free institutions in a compulsory framework. Do you, do you see what I mean? Like, in other words, the whole framework is authoritarian. You must be there. You're required by law to bring your children to this building uh, at this time or whatever. Um, now, inside that building, it's possible to create different kinds of atmospheres. Uh, some are very stern disciplinarian atmospheres, almost militaristic. Uh, and some are not, you know, some are trying to do a hippie open classroom thing or something like that. But I don't think that you can just separate the overall structure of authority around the institution from the nature of the institution internally uh, in any neat way. All right, let me ask you more generally. Let's forget about school for a minute. Um, it is the nature of being a minor that one is subjected to quite a few compulsorily forms of life. Yes. Um, is it your thought that this is, a, this is bad across the board or is it only bad in the case of compulsory education? In other words... Is your point that, listen, children in general should not be subjected to compulsory forms of life, or is it just that you object to compulsory, formally compulsory schooling? Well, it, it's definitely true that you, you're going to compel a small child in various ways. You know, you, you, it, as they approach the... I'm thinking of things like, you know, I don't let my kid decide what to eat because then all she'll eat is candy, right? I mean, yeah. I don't let my kid decide, you know, whether to go to the dentist or whether to have a filling put in or a gazillion other things. And if you ask me why, the answer is because the kid is not competent to make those decisions and will make bad ones and hurt him or herself in right. doing so. Um, this is a part of my basic functional responsibility as an adult relevant relative to children um, um, over, over whom I'm, I'm responsible. So I guess what I'm wondering is, do you think that that's fundamentally wrong in a certain way or is your, or is your objection really only in the realm of schooling? Well, I think that the, the purpose of that 
And I agree. Like you, you're going to coerce your toddlers, your kindergartners, your and and on. Even your 14 year olds. Yeah, I my mean, daughter was a lot easier as a toddler. I didn't have to compel her that much. I had to compel her a lot more when she was older, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, but um. but the purpose of this is to kind of is to hatch an autonomous moral agent, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and more and more as they go on. You want to consult with them. You want to share the reasons why you're doing. Absolutely. You're doing. Yes. Absolutely. Less and less do you want to exercise sheer authority, you know? And like when you get to the point of saying like, why? Because this is my house. It's not your house and things yeah. like this. You know what I mean? Like at a certain point, that becomes kind of incompatible with parenting too. Yeah, I, w- uh, I would only lapse into that sort of thing when I'd lost control over myself. Yes. Um, that <laughs> yeah. would only happen when, when, well, which happens, right? I mean, this is one of the hardest things about parenting is maintaining control over yourself. Yes. But I do want to, I mean, I want to sort of, I want to make you make this case. I mean, it sounds to me like you're making a more fundamental point. I mean, you're, you're, it sounds to me like you're arguing for a more fundamental autonomy than simply, you know, be smart about how you parent, you know, try to be as, you know, as light-handed as possible, you know, always give the reasons, even though at the end of the day, you still may have to force them to do something. Yeah. It sounds to me like you're arguing for a more fundamental autonomy. And that's what I, that's what I'm interested in hearing. Cause I think at that level, it's just a matter of the details and whether you think this much is too much or that much is too much. But I thought you were more kind of being more categorical about this. Well, I, I, I've become less categorical about this as I've, I've gotten further from my own rebellious adolescence, I guess, for one thing, and raised children and stuff too. But I still, I still want to ha- retain, you know, a, a basic commitment to, uh, one thing is I think that we should, we sh- I definitely think that we should respect children more, morally. You know, different to, to different extent, different children, different ages, uh, you know, maybe even different cultural locations, but I do think that we far too much we regard children as, you know, as like Kant would say or, or whatever, like mere things. Okay, um, that we reduce their agency in a way that actually ends up hurting society as a whole too. Now we do agree about stuff like this. So, for example we would probably agree that tr- child slavery is repugnant. Like you can force a child maybe to get vaccinated or have a shot or like have dentistry or whatever it is. But if you're trying to force them to work 12 hours a day in a sweatshop, then you're doing wrong to the child as a moral agent, you know, a, a, a kind of particular evil yeah but i mean adult slavery is is objectionable also i mean in other words i don't know that the child slavery is objectionable for reasons that are that distinct from the reasons why adult slavery is immoral i guess what i'm trying to understand is how about child labor that's not enslaved you know right i mean mean, and and the reason why it's but but notice that it's immorality is a function of a kind of paternalism, right? I mean, it's immorality is partly a function of their lack of agency and inability to consent, make contracts, understand the deals they're making, right? I mean, in other words, I don't, yeah. I don't see how you can articulate that without, in a sense, reaffirming um, the need for um, children to be subjected to authority, right? So, so 
that I, I guess I I don't even know if I'm objecting to you. I guess I want to just right. hear a clear expression of what it is uh, that you think is 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 unacceptable with regard to the kinds of authority we exercise over children. You said very strong things in Twitter about public schooling, about making kids go to school. And that's what I sort of reacted to. Um, But as we're talking, I'm wondering whether, you know, there was more rhetorical and that you're not, you don't have such a strong view about. Well, I, I, I do think for one thing, the model is, is child labor. I mean, what's wrong with my, the fact that my 10 year old had to go to school? Tell me what's, let's be specific. What's wrong with that? All right, so You're 10 years I, old, you got to go to school. What What's wrong with that? I think it's it'd be the same as you're 10 years old, you got to go work in the factory. Okay, explain why, because that that's not obvious. Okay, I mean, one thing is the economic purposes of them both, okay? So uh, I guess maybe as I've said in one piece or another, like if you read Thomas Friedman, if you read him in the 90s, if you read him now, or if you read Arnie Duncan, on education. If you read Bill Clinton or Al Gore, uh, what they say relentlessly, and Biden says this now, is that our students or our kids are falling behind the students of other countries. We need to outcompete them in the marketplace of the future. They used to say the 21st century information economy and shit like that. Um, and so we need much more emphasis on public education, and it's got to take this and that shape. And in fact, we're going to let the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation shape public education, what your children learn for the next 20 years. Let's call it the Common Core curriculum, right? And we're going to assess that by relentless standardized testing so we can compete. So your eight-year-old can compete with the eight-year-olds of Singapore. Now, all right. So, all right. So now, all right. That, There's a bit of an I, everything in the kitchen sink here. So I'm going to want to separate a lot of these things, but yeah, sure. Is that, is that all of it? Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, this is an example of what happens when you're conceiving education as a government program for transforming a society, like pulling the society up by its bootstraps. We're going to control the future by remaking human beings, a la Plato's Republic, for instance, okay? Like we're gonna have to seize the children and remake them what? In the image of cubicle workers in the information economy, in the, in the whatever vision we have right now, you know? With whatever failed techniques we want to apply <laughs> this year. Uh, and th- that's only, and, and so, th- we're, we're thinking of this as a kind of authoritarian strategy for producing some kind of utopia. How are we going to make the future better? Re-engineer the little human beings, all right? They're malleable human plastic or whatever. We need them to be information workers in 20 years. So now we're going to have to, so how about the standardized testing structure or whatever? Okay, so maybe 20 years later, we'll have a whole new thing. Like Bill and Melinda Gates, for example, realized that that didn't work at all. It took them 30 years. It was a complete failure. Okay. So then they say, oh, now we're going to try another approach. I don't know, man. You know, like this whole thing is a betrayal of education. 
it's an instrument instrumentalization of childhood uh for whatever social transformations you're projecting you know what i mean and i just think the whole conceptuality is repugnant and it's morally mistreats children all of them <laughs> you know? all right That's so um um Um, you, you said a bunch of things, right? So one of them is, again, there's just the bare minimum of compulsory, right? You're minor, you got to go to school, right? The second is, another issue is, um, what is the purpose of the schooling, right? Yes. One of the purposes of the schooling uh, you've just, you've just uh, described is to, in some way, uh, prepare the student to compete and to function in an economy that is increasingly globally, uh, globally, um, how shall I say, uh, interconnected, right? Mm -hmm. um, so before you would only be competing with labor from your town. Now you're competing with labor in Bangladesh. You're competing with labor because capital and labor simply go wherever is the, you make faces, but this is a fact, right? This is not disputable, right? That capital and labor, go where it's cheapest right i mean that that's just not disputable right that's yeah. why when i call a call when i call the, the phone company or the cable company i talked and get customer service i'm talking to somebody in india why do you think that is you think it just it just you know somebody had a lark right and said oh let's do this in india now, no it's because it's fucking cheaper okay right, so, okay so, so, so we're I'm sorry so when we prepare uh, kids for the information economy that this talk started in the 90s uh, and, and continues now and the service economy that was before that uh, we're first of all we're saying like okay we're definitely eliminating all manufacturing from the American economy we're not worried about that no more okay but the manufacturing continues man like in other words this right, but it continues it continues in places where it's cheaper to yeah. manufacture so yeah. you are so my point is this is that no crispin i'm asking you the reason i'm asking you is this is i want to distinguish between how should things be if you got to invent the entire world right, right. or how should be things be with the actual world we live in now right now i'm more interested in the latter question because you're not going to get to create the world that you want Right. You're not going to get to invent the world next week. My daughter is still going to have to get a job. So at some point, I'd like to have a more grounded conversation about what actually is the case rather yeah. than, well, if I got to an invent an economy that I wanted where there was no globalization and America still had a steel industry and people could get jobs for life with no fucking education beyond high school. That's not the world we're in. Right. Right. So, so, so I, I do want to, I'm asking you these things to try and get you to speak to how your, your thoughts on this apply within the actual world. So we tell kids, you got to go to school. That's one thing. That's the compulsory part. The second thing we do is we have a purpose for school. It's to in some way prepare kids so that they can actually function in the economy that there actually is the actual economy, not a fictional one. Right. Right. A third one might be acculturation of a certain kind, right? Socialization yeah. of a certain kind. Uh -huh. um, there's also the further uh, aspect of the fact that most people's parents work all day, okay? Um, yeah. uh, there's, that's the, also part of the reality of the nature of yeah. the economy. Yeah. Um, 
And then there's the stuff about Bill Gates and all of this, you know, big, big, rich bazillionaires poking themselves into education. Now, to me, those are all separable. <laughs> well, they're not all separable. I mean, the, the I don't see why. Well, the economic, uh, well, certainly the economic purposes are not separable from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. See what you're doing. You, so you're going to, how are you going to reindustrialize the country? So now there's blue collar factory work for people. Uh, well, I mean, I guess you could pursue protectionist policies a la Trump and stuff like that. In fact, manufacturing. Yeah, but has, he didn't actually do it. He just lied about it. Right. I okay, mean, all right, all right. look, uh, I know I'm not talking about reinstituting manufacturing, but like this, the education we're preparing students for here does feed into a structure of like what you might call neoliberalism in the whole world, right? In other words, like, so- I don't we, dispute that. I'm asking right, you, what's so, the alternative? I mean, is, not, is, it more, is it more ethical to make sure your kids cannot function in that environment? Well, what does it mean to function in that environment? To like, not starve to death, to be able to have a roof over your house and to be able to have a relatively decent living, standard are living. Sure, are you sure we won't be manufacturing in 10 years? Uh, I mean, you sort of got this feeling from uh, education in the last 30 years that we had transcended the physical environment completely. But all we did was offshore all the physical labor. And the and American educational system reflects that goal, okay? I mean, we're preparing students for jobs that we're defining as, you know, in the information economy. Uh, I, no, I don't think that like students right now, like any particular student is competing with any particular student in Bangladesh. I think that's like, these are wackily abstract uh, uh, sort of general claims, but I, I do want to take the economic framework into account, but how well, for one thing, has the education that we have prepared us for, prepared our kids for the economy that we actually have right now, for example. You know, say like the, at, going through the 2008 recession, how prepared were they for that? Or the COVID transformation, you know, how how well did education prepare well, but, our but kids? Wait a minute, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you that we've done a terrible job of it, but I thought that what you were saying is we shouldn't be doing it at all, right? Your, 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 your point isn't that we shouldn't be doing compulsory education badly. You've, your point is that we shouldn't be doing compulsory education at all. I'm not understanding what the what, what it is you're, you're imagining it. as the alternative okay, in the actual just... world we live in. So what would my 14-year-old daughter be doing if she wasn't going to school? Well, I mean... Or my 10-year-old or whatever. I mean, what, 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 do we, what do you imagine all these kids doing if not going to school? Well, I, I, I don't imagine them not going to school. Uh, I imagine them going to school more voluntarily, maybe on smaller scales, right, than these giant kind of carceral warehouse spaces. Uh, you know, like a lot of the stuff did emerge during COVID, for example, like sort of community educational cooperatives and stuff like that. Uh, that's always been possible. And then it sounds to me like you're not really against compulsory education or something like it for young people. You're opposed to the large scale state enterprises. So that sounds to me like it's more like you're against collective and public schooling than you are against requiring young people somehow to learn something so that because like with their diet, 
They're not going to do that voluntarily. If, if you let my fo- my five-year-old kid, she would have eaten junk food. Right. Not, and she would oh. not have gone and, and learned, you know, geometry. And she yeah, would not have, you know, I mean. Is so- that an argument? Is that an argument for outlawing feeding your kid Doritos? Do you know what I mean? Like, like, so, so, you know, like, so maybe we could monitor your child's diet and maybe the future of America depends on that. Right. Uh, so, and, and maybe we could remove her from your care if you're not doing that correctly, uh, according to whatever nutritional standards we have developed at this, at this moment. Because adults might give their kids a shitty diet and we don't want to now have a world in which we arrest parents for giving the kids Doritos. We should therefore allow children to just eat whatever they want. No, we should. We should. And I don't we, get the point. I don't get the relevance of the of what you've just described. Well, we shouldn't pass any laws about what children must eat or must be prevented yeah, from. But no, but th- we we already have laws. Your kid cannot not do what you w- make them do. They can't. They don't have legal authority. You have legal authority over them. All right. So why isn't that a collective responsibility of all of us together as expressed by state policy? Uh, Why shouldn't we control the lives of your children soup to nuts? Well, you do. Uh, we do eat, in a lot eat. of ways. I mean, we do in a lot of ways, many of which yeah. are, are, are essential, right? I mean, look, I mean, um, anybody who's old enough to remember before we had vaccines for polio and measles and smallpox and 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 other scourges, right? Um, um, uh, you know, you had people, you had people in iron lungs and walking around in braces, and 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 you know, um, um, and I was amongst that. Those you and I were amongst those earliest generations that that went to school with with those scourges having been eliminated, right? Now, now. You think a three, you think, you think, I mean, a two-year-old is not going to decide to get vaccinated for mumps or or for rubella or for, or for, or for polio. Um, And so there's all sorts of, 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 of state compulsory systems in place over, over our children, which thank fucking God for them. Right. I mean, I mean, um, you know, anybody who says they wish they lived back before there were these, these required uh, infant vaccinations is either a liar or a fool. Right. I mean, all right. I think that, that those like are you know, the government's attempts to reach into families and raise their children for them should be minimized. OK, I can understand vaccine mandates, though. I can also understand maybe the approach that they are taking now uh, with the COVID vaccine, which has been reasonably successful, which is voluntary. Um, it's been a disaster, Crispin. It's a disaster. In my state, we have below 40% vaccination. I cannot go back to teaching in person in school because the stupid boneheaded hillbillies where I live believe bullshit that they read, you know, from fucking OANN and stuff and think that the vaccine is implanting chips into their arms. Are you fucking kidding me? You think that it's been successful to just let people decide whether they're going to be a public health menace or not? I mean, I, I, that's just lunacy. Well, I, I think it's okay. It feels different here in Pennsylvania, I guess. Uh, I'm going to have to teach online again. Yeah. Because the people in my state are too fucking bovine to go get vaccinated. 
But, you know, the country is, is well over 50%. It's reopening in every respect, kind of, you know, at least as far as I can see. It's still taking some time. Uh, I, I'm not sure what happens if you, if you require vaccination by law. I'm not sure it solves your hillbilly problem. Uh, well, no. I mean, you do it, look, you do it the same way as you do it with infant vaccinations. We, it's not like we send police to your house to tie you down and inject you. But what we do say is, sorry, you can't go to school. You right. can't work here. You can't. And basically you can stay in your house, right? If you're going to insist on being a public health menace, then you can stay in your fucking house, but you can't come to my house. You can't go into this school house with my kid because your rights end where you become a public health menace to everybody else. That's the same way. I don't get to walk down the street and punch you in the face. Right. Right. Okay. I mean, I mean, this is just basic shit, right? This is fourth grade civics. Right. Okay. Now, first of all, though, the vaccine argument, which I I, I would pursue further uh, though, um, it can be separated from the public education. uh, I'm just about the compulsory side of it. You, You said to me, you know, you know, it's the, my argument about public compulsory education is part of a larger argument about, you know, that the state should not be, you know, should not arrest you for giving your kid Doritos, right? Mm-hmm. And what I, my answer was that there's all sorts of things the state compels me to do with regard to my children and thank God for them, right? Well, because well, because we can remember before we had them, nobody wants to go back to polio. Nobody, and the only way you get that kind of elimination is through mandates, as we're seeing now. Okay, my state, 30%. Okay, but what are you getting that's comparably concrete from requiring education? Don't know, I mean, but all that I'm saying is that, that's why I'm trying to say, is the problem with compulsoriness per se, or is the problem with poorly affected compulsoriness? That's what I'm not sure what your position is. Well, I mean, I connect these things in in this sort of anarchist mode of uh, the compulsory part is liable to abuse. And I do think there's a century of ineffectiveness. So in other words, like I, I'm a little sick of like, we're, we're going to get it right this time. We've gotten it wrong all this time. I mean, I, and I think that the, um, you know, the basic idea is flawed, that we can transform our children if we can get control of them uh, in a way that will uh, positively affect society. Like, I think if we have uh, sort of tested any hypothesis, we've tested that one, and I'm not ready for the next experiment. I don't believe the next experiment. I don't believe the next wave of psychology. I don't believe the next wave of, of medication that will make kids sit still through the experience they're having or whatever it is. Yeah, you know? no, you'll get no argument from me about this. I'm very disturbed by the extent to which social science has gone way beyond. Uh, social science acts as if it was chemistry, right? I mean, the way that it sort of, the, the certitude, and you know, if you actually know how these studies are done, right? Um, and what they involve, right? You know immediately that you have to take the conclusions with a huge grain of salt. I'm with you on that. I'm right, with you on medication. Talking. I'm with you on all. I'm also with you, by the way, on rules. I think the rules are absurdly strict. You know, when I was in high school in the seven in, in the early eighties, 
we were freeze as fucking birds, man. I mean, and you didn't have all this techno surveillance technology either, right? So you could get away with stuff and you know, you could climb out the window of your classroom when the teacher yeah. wasn't looking and stuff like that. And now I mean, you know, you you know, you couldn't make Ferris Bueller's day out now because it would seem like science fiction, right? Um, um with you on all of that. Right, but there were many petty rules that I thought were completely illegitimate. So for example, <laughs> they had a dress code that I tried to violate every day. And, and just my thing was, you know- What was the dress code? What was, what was it supposed to prevent? Uh, like um, the, sexiness or, a, or foul language or what was the- uh, Well, it had all, it, you know, it had that vague uh, language that they have in public schools, which is nothing disruptive. Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so like whatever we don't like or whatever. Right. You know. So if we can see your tits, it's disruptive. Yeah. If your shirt says, fuck you, it's disruptive. Yeah. <laughs> if the shirt has yeah, Jesse Jackson with a giant afro, it's disruptive. Exactly. <laughs> okay, exactly. Now, and I'm sitting there going like, in virtue of what are you able to tell me how to dress, Mr. Principal? And, and I actually, I regarded myself as not... I mean, this is what I was arguing on Twitter. I mean, I don't know where we are in the conversation exactly, but uh, uh, when I was arguing on Twitter and from the point of view of the student who's being coerced, who's being told, you know, yeah. the bell rang, now you have to walk here, you know, sit still, fill in these little bubbles, dress like this, you can't say these words, you can, but you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, my, my view was that, okay, that releases the students from anything like any kind of moral obligation to obey this authority. Okay. So like, and that's this, and I'm basing this on my own feelings as a student, which I sort of recall maybe overly vividly. It's like, no, 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 no. Uh, you have no more right to tell me how to dress than I have to tell you how to dress. And if I have a chance to like mess up your clothes in the locker room, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in other words, like, okay, so you don't want vandalism. All right, stop telling me how I can talk and shit like this, and I won't be spray painting words on the doors of your school, you know, uh, because you, the way you're operating coercive authority over me releases me from any moral obligation. It, 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 it imposes prudential obligations. I want to avoid getting punished, sort of, uh, but it releases all moral <laughs> obligations, man. It's just like, you know, I have no more obligation to obey you, assistant principal, than I would have to obey a slave master, for instance. Like, your authority is no more, you know, like, if I can resist, I should, really, you know, or there's certainly no reason not to. So I'm going to undermine, I've dedicated myself as a student to undermining the authority of the school, and I still think that was completely legitimate uh, activity, you know, and I think you should expect that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, but you know, this is, this is very interesting. I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, you know, I kind of agree with him, but I guess I think he's maybe going about it in a funny way. I mean, here, so here's what I, here's what I was thinking. Um, and look, I mean, this, this comes down to really very deep things. I, I, I mean, I do think that there is a certain wisdom in figuring out how to best function 
in whatever it is you're confronted with, right? In other words, that that one's capacity to control the world in which one operates is so limited that the, that the greater the greater um, um, motivation for autonomy should be to figure out how best to ma- to, to sort of to master and navigate the, the world one finds oneself in, and and so one of the things that I I I feel is almost like a good side of all the awful things you're talking about, right? Because listen, there were tons of things I hated about school. Although overall, I would say my memories are quite fond and, and uh, positive. Um, but then again, I was in school, I think in a place and time that was pretty much the best you could be. Um, 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 lots of freedom, um, very little by way of surveillance and rules. Cause it was before all that technology existed. Um, but there was plenty of things I hated about it. Sure. But here's the thing. So let me just give a few very obvious examples. <clears throat> there is no way in one's adult life. I don't care how much you, you control the world you live in. There is no way to, to live as an adult and not a have to do things you don't want to do. <laughs> B endure boredom. Yeah. C simply carry on. Get along, right? Um, D, learn what's worth fighting over. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's not so bad for kids to get a little taste of the things they're going to just simply have to fucking learn to deal with, even as adults. Yeah. Because none of that changes when you get older, man. You and I have both fought the systems we work in. Um, I think we've done it differently. And I think you've suffered for it more than I have. Maybe. Because I think you're a bit indiscriminate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm no, I'm actually being deadly serious. I mean, oh, yeah, I know. I am not sure. <clears throat> I agree with you, but even the negatives are such a bad thing for a kid to have to endure because it ain't gonna stop. True. What do you think of that? <laughs> You think you're not going to be compelled when you're 40? Of course you are. <clears throat> How are you going to handle it? Maybe we can let these let them find out for themselves rather than impose the trials upon them. No, but you know you uh, give them the opposite impression though. What you do is Yeah. You make them think <clears throat> that they live as in a young kid world. that there's no uh nothing yeah. they have to do, nothing they're forced into, no nothing they have to endure. They're going to be awfully shocked. <clears throat> um, yeah, but they come you know, out. Don't want that justification for making it as as grinding as possible. No, 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 no. I'm simply yeah. defending the whole idea of while you're a kid, you have to do certain things. Yeah. The broad reason is you're not competent to manage your own affairs. You don't understand the world you're going to go into, and you need preparation. That's the base reason, it seems to me. I mean, I, I, I feel like that might be better within the family or within a, a, a small community <laughs> rather than as a matter of public policy. Uh, but, you know, I, again, we can start arguing vaccines and stuff like this. Now, I mean, to pull back to, in a different Anything way. Anything you want, yeah. In compulsory education. Uh, let me try this out on you. I mean, the basic argument that I always heard for it, the basic argument that was put forward when it was you know, passed into law um, all over the country in all 50 states 
was an egalitarian argument. <clears throat> okay, so one source of inequality is that people with money, their children get educated, they're literate. Uh, you know, even if it's of even a fairly modest means, but the children of the poor are illiterate. This reproduces the poverty in the next generation. And now we have a chronic hierarchy right. that maybe even appears natural or something like this. That's not false. Now, okay, yes. And, and one problem with that, one problem around that is child labor. So, you know, the children of the poor are working instead of getting educated. Uh, and so if we want to create egalitarian outcomes, which we certainly do across classes or across races, um, then this is a program, a really practical program for doing right. that. Let's let, you know, and actually it's had some effect in terms of universal literacy, right? I think that's probably undeniable. Uh, at least some minimal level of literacy uh, is much wider now, and that's partly because of compulsory education. But I also think that as the hypothesis that that would lead to a more egalitarian society in any dimension, I think has been falsified overall. Um, so it seems to me that for example, inequality was growing in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, even as all these you know, standardized testing programs and so on were being implemented that we're supposed to uh, ameliorate the inequality between schools and then hence the inequality of educational outcomes and stuff across race and across income. Uh, it seems to me though, and I, I think like if you experience like say these city school systems and stuff like this, big city school systems and so on, um, that it actually has not had the egalitarian uh, <clears throat> results that were promised. Like it just aren't, we, aren't we lacking or missing the crucial counterfactual is what would have happened had we not had it? Because I'm not sure that I can, that you can really say that without that counter knowing that counterfactual. Yes. And we just don't. Right. It's that's hard. Yes. That's, that's, that's quite true. Quite right. It could be even worse. I mean, it's uncontroversial, I think, to say it does a pretty lousy job of it, right? I mean, that, yeah. that, that, that I think is hard to deny, right? I mean, or at least yeah. in a lot of places, it does a lousy job of it, right? Yeah, if you're checking out the Baltimore City School System <laughs> over the last century, and that is supposed to be your solution to income and racial inequality in the Baltimore region, yeah. I think you just have to say, and, and you go in and inhabit some of those downtown schools. Just say it's not. <laughs> it's just not happening, okay? Yeah. It's, it, it, if anything, it's part of the system that recreates the structural inequality in the next generation. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, it, it's not a way that we've been able to transform ourselves. It's a way that we've reproduced the values that, the whole society had coming in kind of, you know what I mean? Like, the, like it's, and so I don't think in terms of the basic justifications for it, that it's paid off on those justifications. So that's one of my objections, I suppose. I thought the explicit, I thought this wasn't a secret. I thought the explicit rationale behind public education, as we understand it, um, 
was straightforwardly socialization into the industrial economy. I thought that was explicit, actually. Pretty explicit. Now, why is that not a, 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 a good aim if that is, in fact, the economy that you are sending children into? When well, you're helping up? create that economy, right? I'm sorry? Uh, you're, you're helping create that economy with this vision of... of <clears throat> Uh, I don't think it's, no, I don't think that's legitimate. Like, in other words, like we're in the period of robber baron capitalism. So now we got to feed, figure out how to, what, manufacture students in order to feed into that system. Like, no, but I, this is a serious point. I mean, let's, let's, talk, let's, let's talk about this for a minute. I mean, if you ask me what my responsibility, I think my responsibility was to my kid growing up. I would have said to you without any hesitation and without conflict, I would have said to make it as likely as possible that she is going to succeed in pursuing her aims within the frame that she finds herself. I did not think that my responsibility to her was to adopt a revolutionary posture towards the world and not to prepare her for, for living in it, right? I mean, I would not have said that and I would object to it. So but now it sounds to me like that's what you're saying. You're reproducing, you're helping reproduce that reality. Whatever, right? sure, fine, fine. I'm collectively right. responsible with 300 million other people. What do you want to have for lunch? Like, I mean, I mean that to me, these are the kinds of questions that interest me not at all, right? Um, when it comes to talking about my responsibility to my kid. Now, if we're talking about I'm an activist, what's my responsibility, let's say, to, you know, uh, the movement, right? Maybe it's to oppose, right? But I feel like when you, when you take on, when you have a child, <coughs> your responsibilities change radically, right? Um, um, right, but um, I, I mean, look, I, say I'm raising a small child right now. How... Am I really like sitting there going like, I need to prepare you for the economy of the 2040s? Okay, so first of all, I don't have any fucking idea, right? But, uh, you know, but no, I'm more interested in like sitting with you, being with you, helping you learn what you're interested in learning, you know what I mean? Finding some stuff like rather than training you for, uh, you know, what I speculate the post-information economy of the 2050s might look like or something like that here, as opposed to fly <clears throat> to Africa or something like that. I, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, um, I mean, to some extent, I'd like to prepare them for economic reality. I guess I didn't really think about that. Too How do you, now, let me ask you this. How do you feel about non-compulsory public education? In other words, suppose, suppose we had the following. <clears throat> which is, I think, what we actually have, right? Your kid has to, between the ages of five and 18, <clears throat> your kid cannot just be wandering around town. He's got to be, he's got to be in school. Now, what that means, you could homeschool him. You can send him to private school. You can find hippie commune school and send him there. If you can't afford any of those, or you, both of you are working two jobs, and you can send him to the public school. Now, that effectively is what we have now. Yeah. What's yeah, wrong with it? What's wrong with that? You can what you just described, you can do. You can homeschool your kid. Yes. 
but a, a, a family where the mother is has two waitressing jobs and the father works at the Ford plant. Um, um, they can't do that. They can't right. homeschool. So they have the public. I mean, in other words, I don't see what your objection is to the system we have now, other than that your kid has to do something, right? Right. right. Well, I do. And I mean, so this, this is, it, it's a pretty abstract general critique, as you're saying. Uh, but insofar as it has practical upshots, it would be stuff like that. I am in favor of school choice, right? In, 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 the, in a practical way, like uh, charter schools, vouchers. Uh, I think, you know, other things being equal, that's a good thing. Okay. And because it gives more, more autonomy to families, uh, it, it makes a bad situation potentially escapable in the lifetime of the student. Like you're going to a terrible school and you just, or a school where you're being bullied or something like that. And Matt, we could move yeah. you. Yes. I'm in favor of, you know, but of course there are plenty of people, especially on the left who would like to reduce or eliminate homeschooling or reduce or eliminate education uh, or subject it all to uh, various standardized measurements and so on, assess it all in light. Um, but yeah, I think we have a better system than we would have if we had universal compulsory public education. Yeah. Like if every student was required to show up at that big building every day in the same hours and do the same things or whatever, yeah. like that, I mean, so what, however close we are to that situation, I would completely reject that. A number of other countries are much closer to that kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, and a, lot, a number of education lobbyists and stuff like this, or maybe even the NEA is pushing stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, there, yeah, there, there, are entirely, <clears throat> there are entirely ground level concerns about the ways that vouchers work, because what happens is... <clears throat> people who are trapped in bad schools whose parents have the wherewithal to sort of understand the situation and the inclination to uh, improve their kids situation by moving them out are going to do so. And that what that happens is it leaves the kids with the worst parents in the school that is now five times worse because all the good kids have left. Right. I mean, and so now I'm not saying this is a reason to make it illegal. I'm just saying, not all of the opposition to this stuff is motivated by sinister teacher unions wanting sure. a monopoly over. I mean, a part of it is because they watching what's happening in schools when the last few remaining decent kids have left, right? Families have left. And all that you're left with is the delinquents with the crackhead parents and all of this shit. Um, um, I've seen this happen, right? Um, 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 yeah, so I'm, all I'm saying is that at the level of policy, this is very complicated, right? I mean, yeah. this is not simple. I, I, I see no, I have no disagree with me in the general, but then my question now becomes is, what then is your objection to the bare minimal formal compulsoriness, right? In other words, your kid has to do something. He cannot wander around the streets all day. It's great that you're a wonderful parent and you want, and you want to spend all this time with your kid learn, learning with him. But we also have to be concerned about the shitty fuckhead, drug addict, drunk, shit fuck parents who will just let their kids roam around like feral animals. <clears throat> so we have to have some kind of a policy because we are 
in a sense, collectively responsible for, for what happens to very young and helpless people, right? Well, how, how is it's it the same going? reason why we have a safety net and we don't let people die in the street, right? I mean, so what is your object? I mean, on your view, are we just supposed to just allow people to completely just, you know, let their children run feral and loose on the streets all, all day and, and just not require of anything of them? I don't think we're going to be able to fix the social problems that you're like, just that, that are lead to the sorts of things you're describing uh, through universal public education. And I think that's kind of demo- already demonstrated. Well, not universal public, but some, some compulsory something. So where your kid between the ages of five and 18 has to be involved in some educationally and constructive activity during the days and not wandering and roaming around loose. I mean, how, how do the summers go and stuff like that, you know? Why isn't this an argument for just seizing control of millions of children and institutionalizing them and reprocessing them or something like that to save them from, So you're not gonna be able to so save everyone from their mom. So your answer is yes. You think that people should be allowed. Yes. To just simply, just completely, just like their kids, just could just do learn nothing, do nothing, roam around. Yes, I don't think we we know what people's children need to learn. I don't think we know what they know. I I don't think that we should purport to know what children should know or how to give it to them. Actually, I I'm going all the way down this line. I guess you know. Uh, Yeah, I I wouldn't. I think we don't really have much alternative and, and certainly no practical, useful alternative to letting people go and seeing what happens. So if we keep everything else the same, so let's presume no changes in the economy or the fundamental geoeconomic, geopolitical, let's suppose everything remains the same. You would be in favor of this? In other words, I'm, what I'm trying to get test is <laughs> to what extent do you think this is just so fundamental? That even if we acknowledge that, hey, you know, given the way the world is, A, B, C, D, and E are going to happen if we don't require kids to do something during the day that's of this sort. I'm not sure. I just, just want to know if that's if you think it's so fundamental that you're just willing to f- absolutely eat all of that. Well, actually, in my heart, yes, I do think that. Okay. Like, I think it's wrong what we're doing. I, okay. I think there's no um, moral justification for seizing and reprocessing children. Uh, I think that's wrong. Yeah, and I think it's unjustifiable. Although you do accept certain specific domains in which coercive treatment is acceptable, right? So you do think it's okay to coerce children with regard to not eating candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You think it's okay to vaccinate infants against polio and measles and smallpox you just don't think it's acceptable or a good idea with regard to schooling right you're not arguing for complete libertarianism of children right you're not saying that you know six-year-olds should be able to have sex with adults you're not saying that that you know um, well, um kids am- should be able to just choose their diet right whatever the hell it is without am- their parents having any authority over them you're not saying that are you i'm interested in non-authoritarian forms of parenting and stuff like this or caregiving to whatever extent that is possible 
but I'm admitting that that's, it's not entirely possible. I am definitely rejecting the idea of, for example, a nutrition police force of, you know, uniform guys with clubs that are policing your children's candy. Right, right. So, so look, I don't think it's going to help. You're against a mayor being able to ban soft drinks, right? Which actually Bloomberg, yeah. Bloomberg tried to do incredibly enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am. Yeah. And I, and I agree entirely. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's ridiculous. Um, 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 it, it seems to have worked in Philly to some extent. They, they, they put a big tax on it. But I do think that um, where you and I differ is that I, I have a very different posture with regard to minors um, and children in particular. Um, but no, I appreciate the fact that you, you, you really, you're willing, you're not, you, you acknowledge that in order for the kind of libertinism that you want to allow to not have a lot of horrible results, we would have to change an awful lot about the economy, about the, about all sorts of things. Right. But you still think that this is such a fundamental uh, good. Yes, but I also think you're willing to even even in this environment, you'd be willing to do this, right? Yes, but I'm also arguing simultaneously. Yes, I'm arguing this violates our moral obligations to children for one time. But I'm also arguing that it has not had the good results that you're predicting or acknowledging, however, that we don't have the relevant counterfactuals. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's true. That's a problem. Okay. Okay. Well, it's not a problem. It just—it's not a problem. It just mitigates, and right. In other words, it just yeah. means that it limits just how strong the claim can be because yeah, we don't yeah. know how it would have been without, right? So, I mean, I agree. Um, 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 and I wouldn't—I wouldn't go to—I wouldn't plant my flag on that aspect of it. I mean, that's not. Um, I, I have a much more fundamental thing I disagree with you, and that—and that is that I just think not only do children, in my view, need be to be coerced in a whole bunch of ways. But I also think that as adults, they're going to continue to be coerced in a whole bunch of ways. And one has to develop a consciousness that is capable of coping with coercion, right? Um, um, Because it is a part. I mean, Crispin, I haven't done a goddamn thing I've wanted to do for the last five years. Yeah, but isn't a little sad? Like, we, we need to put children into these coercive situations because life is coercive, man. We need to put p- children into suck-ass situations because life sucks, man. Like, you, you know, know. It's, it's funny you put it that way, but you know how I always thought of it with my daughter as she was growing up? I always thought of, I'm going to expose her to the shit she's going to have to eat in small, tolerable <laughs> doses. Yeah. Get her slowly acclimated. Yeah. Right? <laughs> It's true, man. It is true. <laughs> oh man. Well, anyway, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Um, and um, the um, and we broke out into some other areas that are interesting, like vaccination and stuff that we've talked about. Um, um, and uh, I do think I have a better idea of your position. I do appreciate the fact that you're willing to you're willing to stand with even what you acknowledge may be consequences, right? Um, um, yeah. Um. um, um and uh, the only thing I wonder is how you'd like it if it happened, right? I mean, like, you know, I'm wondering, you know, this is some one of those things that I something wonder that we don't really know whether this is tolerable until you've actually done it, right? I mean, yeah. um, you know, it could, it, could, it could be a big nothing burger where everything is pretty much stays the way it is. Or yeah. it could be that you suddenly have like feral mobs like, <laughs> like running around. 
and the problem is we just don't know right i mean that's, that's true yeah um but um anyway thanks very much enjoy the rest of your summer are you getting this crazy insane heat or are you in a normal uh it's cool now but we had a real bad heat wave for a few days i guess uh, pretty bad not, not like they're having in the northwest or whatever yeah it's funny because here where i am in southern missouri it's usually hot as fuck in the summer yeah i've i've been here 20 years it has never been hotter in oregon <laughs> so it's like 110 degrees in oregon and here it's 80 yeah yeah it's just fucking, <laughs> right yeah anyway we could talk about global warming some other time if, if that's what it is anyway um thank you so much take care of yourself and i'll see you in the next one take it easy dan all right ciao